Well, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, as many of you know, we are a new church here in the Tri-Cities and excited about what God is doing uh, in this church, in the churches throughout the Tri-Cities, and just in our community. God's at work and good things are happening. Uh, you know, summer's coming and uh, people are traveling. I know we have people all over uh, the U.S. and even, even the world right now. wanted to remind everyone, if you want to participate, kind of a fun way to travel this summer, grab one of uh, these little business cards over by the door and keep it in a wallet with you. Of course, you're welcome to give it to someone if uh, you want to tell them about the church, but otherwise, keep one of these with you, and when you travel, take a family selfie, and let's see how far we can take the vine this summer, okay? Uh, So as we travel with our families, as we do fun things, take a little selfie for us, uh, text it to Sarah and myself, and we just kind of want to track where we've been in the world over the course of the summer. Just kind of a fun way to celebrate uh, just our opportunities and the things happen in life together as a church. So thanks again for being here. Um, You know, as a church, we've been studying through the book of Acts, and we've taken a couple weeks here to talk about a couple other subjects. Um, One this morning, uh, one that's very dear to my heart, and that is the subject of communion. It goes by many different names. Uh, We call it communion. We call it the Lord's Supper Uh, in our high churches. We call it Eucharist. Uh, It goes by many different names, but all with a common purpose and focus. And so this morning, we're going to spend our time kind of tracking the story and the history of what has come to be the Lord's Supper. Now, to some of us, we grew up in churches, and we are familiar with the idea of communion. Um, However, uh, if you grew up in kind of a single church or a single denomination, we're probably uh, experienced with one kind of specific way of taking communion. If you've been with us for a little while, you've noticed that uh, we try to do it differently at different times. For instance, uh, each week we make communion available. And so uh, often during our worship service, we invite people to step step to the side and as a family to pray together and, and take communion together or, or with a friend. Um, but, but we allow that just to be a part of our worship service. Other weeks, uh, like, like this week, we get to feature it. Um, But what I want to do this morning is kind of explore the subject of communion, Lord's Supper. What's it all about? Why do we do it? Why is it significant uh, to us as a church? And so we're going to track that, um, uh, the story of communion um, through the biblical narrative. So to begin, we need uh, to know a little bit of a backstory. Uh, Before the institution uh, by Jesus of this communion, uh, Lord's Supper um, uh, opportunity, uh, there's a backstory that we need to be familiar with. So if you want to read up more on, on the story of the Exodus, uh, you can read in, uh, later, in Genesis, later in Genesis and in the book of Exodus, the first couple books of the Bible, uh, for more details on this, but I'll give an overview. So God's people are enslaved in Egypt, okay? Uh, the Israelite people, the people that God has made a covenant uh, through Abraham with, he says, I'm going to bless you, that you and your family and your descendants will be a blessing to the world, right? And so God is working in a special way through this uh, uh, nation of of Israel. However, they're not uh, perceiving it in this moment because they had been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. Now, I don't know, just like to wrap your mind around the scope of time that the Israelite people spent in slavery, um, think back 400 years to your, your relatives that lived 400 years ago. Well, we can't come close to that 
right? When we think back in our lineage and our history and our families, we think back maybe, you know, a hundred years to our, our great-grandparents and things like that, right? Maybe 120 years. Just to, just to put in perspective, the idea that the Israelites had been enslaved for over 400 years, uh, about 400 years ago uh, from this date, the first permanent colony, Jamestown, was founded in the United States. Like, as old as the United States is, um, the uh, older than the Constitution, older than Declaration of Independence, any of that, the Israelites have been living in slavery in Egypt. It's as far back as they remember. Now, they tell stories of our father Abraham, right? They would tell stories about this promised land that God had promised to our people. But as far back as they can remember, uh, as far back in history, they have been enslaved in Egypt. And they work hard under cruel pharaohs for little pay, with little rest, for no reward. They live as slaves in Egypt. But God raised up a man named Moses. And Moses, uh, God says to Moses, uh, you're going to let, uh, you're going, uh, uh, go and, and, and you're going to lead my people out of slavery. And so Moses goes to Egypt and to the Pharaoh and he says, let our people go. And Pharaoh laughed and said, of course I won't let your people go. And he makes the work more harsh and cruel. And so God prepared, uh, for Moses these, these ten plagues, these ten signs. And each of the plagues demonstrates superiority over one of the gods of Egypt. So, uh, the Egyptians worship many gods. And so Moses came in equipped, um, with the gnats or, you know, the locusts to kill all the crops to combat the gods of the, the, the crops or the gods of, of water. Um, and, um, and all these things. And so for, for nine plagues, Moses says, let our people go or else this. And it, and it came to be. Finally, in the end, uh, Moses comes and he says, let our people go, um, or, or God will bring, um, uh, such harsh judgment on this nation that, that the firstborn of each household, um, will, will lose their lives tonight. And Pharaoh continues to be hard and to say no. And so the story plays out that um, the angel of death sent to uh, take the life of each of the firstborn is coming into Egypt. And God made this covenant with his people. He said, he said if you will um, uh, take a lamb and, and slaughter that lamb and have a meal with your family tonight and take a bit of that lamb's blood and paint it over your doorpost, that will be the sign that you are my people. The blood of that lamb will be the sign that, that this is the house of one of our people. So it came to be as Moses had said it would be. In, in Egypt, uh, the firstborn of each household was lost, the firstborn being the heir, the, the, the young man groomed to be the new leader in the household. But God's people were spared through that. And of course, if you're familiar with the story, Pharaoh says, get out of my country. I will not fight this God any longer. I will not fight you any longer. And so God's people, they leave Egypt. Um, and and uh, they travel through the desert to Canaan, the promised land. Eventually, they take that land. And so for some five or 600 years before Jesus comes, every year, the Israelite people would remember the Passover lamb. The lamb that caused uh, God to pass over that house. The blood of the lamb that brought their redemption, the blood of the lamb that bought their freedom out of Egypt. And so every year, the Israelite people would remember this in a Passover feast. 
And so they would have bread and they would share in a meal. And for days they would celebrate uh, in, in very specific ways uh, this Passover feast, celebrate that God had redeemed them and brought them after 400 years out of slavery in Egypt. All right. So four, or five or 600 years later, Jesus uh, has come to earth. He's, uh, um, he's come uh, f- fully a man, but uh, claiming to be something special, right? I and the Father are one, he would say, right? I, I am God, and, and after me will come the Holy Spirit. He, he speaks in, in powerful terms, and people question, who is this man, Jesus? But the crowds, they're amazed by his teachings, and they follow in mass. And, uh, and they see him heal, and they see him demonstrate power that, that is unbelievable, and so people follow. And at 33 years old, Jesus gathers his disciples, 12 men closest to him, um, and, and uh, they sit down at what is called the Last Supper. They sit down at a Passover feast to remember God's grace, to remember God's salvation having brought us out of Egypt. And as they're sitting at the table celebrating the way God has been so faithful to our people, uh, Jesus, he takes a loaf of bread and he breaks it. And he said, from now on, as you break bread together, I want you to remember my body that will be broken for you. Now, those 12 apostles, they don't really fully comprehend what he's talking about yet, right? They, They don't understand what he's saying, but he says, each time you break bread, I want you to remember me. Each time you share of this fruit of the vine or this wine, I want you to remember me, okay? And so Jesus initiated it in this way. In Luke chapter 22, we can, we can read just a little bit of what's happening there. They're sitting at a Passover feast, celebrating God's goodness, his salvation, his grace in the life of the Israelite people. Uh, it says, when the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that uh, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after, after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is, that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay, so Jesus, sitting at a Passover feast, he takes the bread and he takes um, the fruit of the vine and he establishes what will be practiced now for 2,000 years in Christian churches, this idea of remembering Jesus' sacrifice. Now, there's significance in the fact that it was Passover. There's significance in the, in the fact that he has, he has morphed and taken what was an Israelite tradition and said, here is a new covenant, here is a new practice that will remind you of what I'm about to do. Um, early in Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist saw him, and he said, behold, he said, look and see the Lamb of God. That was one of the first introductions to who this Jesus was, the, the Lamb of God. And, now, and he's referred to that throughout Scripture, um, but, but now we see him the night before, or the night of his, his, uh, his arrest, He'll soon be beaten and tried and then crucified on a cross. We see him on that evening 
sitting and sharing in that, in that celebration of the Lamb and the salvation of God's people. And he, and he says, here's a new covenant. When you break bread and when you drink of this fruit of the, fruit of the vine, I want you to remember the sacrifice that I'm going to make. It's interesting if you read, as we studied through Luke sometime ago as a church, um, if you if you read uh, the resurrection account, as, as Jesus has died and for three days they mourn, but three days later he begins appearing to his apostles. Time and time again he appears at the table as they're breaking bread together and he shares in that meal with them. You see, the, the breaking of bread, the, the, the common table is to be a central theme in God's story and amongst his people. And so in the first century church, uh, communion became a, an integral part of who they were and what they did. Um, they, would, uh, they would gather in homes and they would share a meal together a communion meal together. And that meal together was their worship. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, it's speaking of the church that is just forming. Um, and, uh, you know, so now a few thousand people have come to believe in this risen Savior. It's beginning to sweep through Jerusalem and soon to move beyond. And it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Like these were the four core pieces. So, so what have the apostles handed down to us from Jesus? The words of Jesus through the apostles, uh, to fellowship, that we will be together, that we will be a people, um, and to breaking bread, right? To this communion meal, this time spent in honor, in reflection of Jesus, a time in which we remind ourselves of who he is, and they devoted themselves to prayer. That's, that's a beautiful picture of the simplicity of this first century church. But it's not long before the modes of communion begin to shift in Christendom. In uh, early in the uh, 300s AD, uh, Constantine is the first Roman emperor to become um, a Christian, to become a believer. And soon the, the modes and the forms of worshiping God as Christian believers begin to change. Right. Uh, once the emperor becomes uh, a, a Christian, all of a sudden beautiful buildings begin to be built that people would worship God in. Right. Uh, significant changes begin to come about um, in the in the Christian church. Uh, to the extent that at times uh, over the course of history, uh, the church has lost some of its focus on the idea of table fellowship, bread broken of community, of lives lived together, right? And it's to our detriment, I, I believe, uh, when, we, when we entirely lose sight of, uh, of Jesus, a man on earth, who said, come and break bread together, sit at a table together, live life together. You'll find that as, as a church, um, we are a simple people. In, in the ways that we worship, in, in the ways that we celebrate together, uh, simplicity, I, I think, is a beautiful thing. You'll find that we're always striving to create ways to share a meal. And so, so last Thursday night when we had um, uh, tacos together at our place, last night when Sarah and I got to celebrate with Gail and Jim at, at her birthday party, uh, when, we, when we have people over or, or, or go to your house for a meal, we believe there's power in table fellowship. We believe this time communing, being together, and sharing a meal is significant in the story of what God is doing in the world. So today we're going to take communion in um, a, 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 a way a little bit different 
than um, what we've done sometimes in the past. Today we're going to take communion uh, together and, and up front. You can see communion has been prepared for us um, this morning. And so Chris and AJ, if you guys want to come up while we, while we start to describe this process, um, what we're going to do in a few minutes is we're going to invite um, uh, Sarah and the backers up in just a minute um, to come and, and to break this bread for us. And as we take communion today, we'll invite people uh, that want to, this is entirely up to you, to come and to break off a piece of that bread and to dip that bread in the fruit of the vine. And as we do that, again, we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice. We're remembering uh, Jesus who gave his life for us, that Passover lamb. And like the Israelites, remember, um, they celebrated annually this huge festival, this huge celebration, because, because of the blood of the lamb, we have been set free. We have been given new hope. So today as we take communion together, we remember because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, we have been invited into new life, into new hope. We have been set free and we live in new ways. And I think it's beautiful this morning as we'll get to receive communion from another person. Uh, Because remember, communion is about uh, the celebration in which together we proclaim and together we celebrate uh, that Jesus is risen. That, that the story didn't end in the sacrifice and the death, but we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And if that is your conviction, if that is your belief, then this morning we invite you to take communion with us in a few minutes. So Chris and, and uh, Backers and Sarah, if you guys will come up here, we'll prepare communion this morning and then we'll pray for it. Jesus said this, He said, I am the bread of life. All who come to me shall not hunger, and all who believe in me shall not thirst. So today with Christians around the world and throughout the centuries, we gather around these symbols of bread and wine, simple elements that speak of nourishment and transformation. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you that you are as close to us as breath, that your love is constant and unfailing. We thank you for all that sustains life, and especially for Jesus Christ, who teaches us how to live out an ethic of justice and peace, and for the promise of transformation made manifest in his life, death, and resurrection. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup through this meal. Make us the body of Christ that we may join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. So I'll let Craig and Sarah take and break the bread, as Jesus did on that day a couple thousand years ago with his followers. And as you're ready, well, Chris and AJ will play for us, but as you're ready, I'd invite you, um, if you'd like to share in communion with us this morning, to come uh, up, up through the center and take and, and break the bread. Dip it in the juice and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So this morning as we take communion, as we conclude our service, we remember Jesus who is broken for us and that we approach in a, in a broken uh, way saying, Jesus, you are my hope.
We love you and we thank you. His sacrifice offered in love manifests itself in our lives in love and adoration and a new way of being. We are the body of Christ. That is the church. The people is the body of Christ and we are invited to participate in the brokenness of the world, to be his hands and feet and to love and to demonstrate the goodness of God as he did. So as we remember his broken body, today we leave celebrating resurrection as well, that we live not uh, for, for um, a dead Savior, but for a risen Savior. That's a beautiful hope. We'll pray as we close. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for an opportunity to remember Jesus this morning. Uh, Father, invite us into new life through him. In Jesus' name, amen.